Steve Fezzik joins Tuesday morning release every week, along with the market report. It's already up there. Should be. Both of them up when you're listening to this. I'm R.J. Bell. All right, Steve. A little different this week. We're going to self-scout. A lot of people, their recap shows are about explaining away their losses. We're going to try to figure out, well, we didn't lose many, but what we lost, why, and really dig in. Because the thing that makes the NFL so exciting is five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, the Bills in the media, the discussion was they can't run the ball. If they could only run or stop the run, if they could only stop the run. And then it started trickling out. They wanted teams to run. Mm-hmm. They were ahead of the curve. Well, now, it, like a whipsaw, we're already not only reacted to that, we're coming back the other way where teams that run the ball with the big bruising backs seem to have an advantage. We identified five teams that have overperformed by a significant margin this year. Rattle off those teams. Minnesota, Tennessee, Seattle, the Giants, Atlanta. Now, my case is four of the five of those teams, the exception being Minnesota, are teams that are more about not losing rather than winning. They're not trying to win as much as they're trying not to lose, and they figure the other team will lose for them. And you know what? Belichick plays that way, especially when he doesn't have Brady. Are we maybe as forward-thinking, analytically-driven handicappers are we missing out? Because you've been a naysayer to Tennessee for a long time, for example. Yeah, I think Tennessee is a great uh, team to talk about. Because so we'll start with that game. For years, uh, we would bet against Belichick. We'd say, oh, the numbers just don't support the fact that, um, you know, that New England should be winning 12, 13 games a year, and they just would keep repeating it. And people didn't like, you know, the, the, some of the underlying Underlying, the, 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 there you yards per play, whatever those EPA, yes. So the good news is, I think, if I look at the Titans-Texans game, I have this one as a fraudulent final where the Titans, it looks like, you know. Wait, 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 it was a fraudulent final? Yes, the Titans won by seven. They should have won by more. Okay, thank God. They should have won by 15. They dominated this game completely. And you know what? They didn't have to, like, reach into their bag of tricks at all. They just handed the ball off to Derrick Henry, completely dominated on the line of scrimmage, and frankly— it was a case. This is the rare case where Tennessee at the end of the game was up 17 to three, and you could make the case that's what the final score should have been maybe 20 to three. And then they said, you know, we're up 14. We're just going to let the other team matriculate down the field. And I think the Texans scored like eight seconds to play. I mean, it was the, 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 really the case of, well, the only way we lose is they get a quick touchdown, so we'll just play prevent defense and let them have a score. So completely phony final in a game that the Titans just absolutely dominated the Texans from the, the opening kickoff. So Willis was the quarterback. Although he didn't really have to play much quarterback. He just handed the ball off to Derrick Henry. In pre-production, we talked about how Willis, one pass, attempted the entire second half. You know what? The old school on the NFL was if you were just running the ball the entire second, the, the entire time, every team can stop it. I mean, if you're one dimensional, well, that wasn't the case here. And this is not a one trick pony. You know, looking back on it, the Texans have just not been able to stop Derrick Henry, period, when these teams play. Six completed passes for Tennessee in the game. Six completed passes. Now, 
This is a good example of Houston's futility in this game. Their first drive was decent, all right? Their last drive was the touchdown drive. In the middle 10 drives, they had 10 drives sandwiched in there. They had 23 yards. For the quarter? For the, for, no, for the 10 drives except the first and the last. Is that even possible? 23 yards in 10. That's 2.3 yards a drive. This is a pick'em game. This is a pick'em game <laughs> where an offense ad- so, so gets think, nothing. So think about that a second. Three plays a drive, it's less than a yard a play. It's unbelievable. And that's almost the whole game. Yes. So and you could like I said, you could chop that final drive off when basically the Texans were like, all right. You know, we'd like to score. We don't care if we can win. You know, you, you, they should have tried to try a long pass, but no, they just were so ineffective. They were just thrilled to, to make it look a little bit closer. So we're just starting, and McKenzie's been doing a good job with this, and we'll be releasing some of it next week. We're saying, what should we weight the plays when it's 97 to 3, the chance to win? 98 mm-hmm. to 3, 99 to 3. And we've got a system. And right now, Houston, they had 51 plays in total on offense. We have 15 of them that shouldn't count, that we're saying are worth nothing effectively. And a lot of those would have came on that last drive. So when you look at the adjusted numbers, because let's be honest, when a team is up 17-3 to or some variation of that and there's four minutes left, they're playing a very different game. They, they don't mind you gaining eight, ten yards. Exactly. So during non-garbage time, Houston ran 36 plays. They had eight successful plays. So the success rate of 22% during non-garbage time in this game. But Fez, our one loser on the Super Contest, gold, was your Houston pick. In fact, I texted RJ and I said... We simply have to play Houston. I was trying to talk you off. <laughs> and, and well, here was part of my, my my rationale. I knew that the Sharps had liked the Titans all week long, and now Tannehill wasn't going to play. The line had moved two points, and I knew it would give us an excellent opportunity to jump a game on everybody because I knew that it was likely, and it turned Wait out this way, the minute. Titans were like a consensus play. The Titans. Because anyone who submitted on Saturday, on Friday – wouldn't have had this information. The line moved on Saturday. What did you see the line close at? Because what I'm seeing here is it closed Tennessee favored. Tennessee minus one was the consensus. Went to pick all day Saturday, and then yeah. Sunday trick, trick, it trickled up to Tennessee minus one. Okay. We were catching two and two and a half in the contest. Yeah, yeah. But it does seem interesting that they knew that Tannehill wasn't playing and they were still betting Tennessee. Well, I didn't know that yet. So <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I saw. I, I, I mean, I, I was evaluating when Houston had become was becoming the favorite and I thought the money would keep flowing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do think there was a prof- – sometimes profundity happens and you don't know it, and then in hindsight. But I think we had a moment. I texted Fez. I go, Fez, do you realize – first off – Profundity. Look <laughs> Just look that up. <laughs> Do you realize we're asking Houston to win at this line, and we're asking Tennessee to lose? I'm gonna feel pretty stupid when Houston wins one game this year, and I'm like, <laughs> they, you know I, what? In retrospect, probably a, a, a two and fifteen team, not a good team to be betting to win outright. Yes. All right. So if we look at the various projections, our four metric average says Tennessee should have won by twelve. 
And remember, it doesn't allow, it doesn't lend itself to extremes, these projections. And it's pretty consistent. The stats say 11, Kevin Cole says 10, the pregame model says 15, 99% chance Tennessee winning in the fourth quarter, weighted win share. So it's bring Tennessee up a point and a half and lower Houston a point and a half. I'm, I made it a point initially. I'm going to make it a point and a half. That's overwhelming. Yeah, I Despite think, it being a one-score final. Phony. I think Mills has regressed. I think, no doubt. I think all of the second-year quarterbacks have regressed at this point. Though Justin Fields is, Fields is bringing it back the other way, it seems, with that running. He's, he's, he's absolutely improving because they're throwing the, the – they're no longer trying to run the Bears' playbook. They're letting him do his thing. Well, you know, what was the Bears' playbook when you have a new new coach? Yes, uh, Mills was supposed to, supposedly better at home. That was not the case here. All right, next game was two of our surprises playing each other: Giants at Seattle. One thing to set the context for is you actually like Seattle a good bit in this game. And a lot of it had to do with, with the Giants' travel situation. Exactly right. And that's why I did upgrade Seattle, but just by half a point. Lowered the Giants by half. The Giants have been to London. They've been, they've been everywhere, man. <laughs> um, they, they're down to, down to uh, Florida, back to New York, and then out to Seattle. That's just a, a whole bunch of frequent flyer miles. Now, did it impact their punt returner that, that muffed it and fumbled it? Who knows? You know, but um, the bottom line is I didn't want to downgrade the Giants too much, although they, they certainly they didn't get massively outplayed. They got, Seattle was the better team by uh, about eh, close to what the, the finals well, – by seven points is what the, I think the final score should have been. All right, so our model says the average is three points, three points mm. um, Seattle better by. So – and Geno Smith – we want to get an update on Gino McKenzie? I'm on it. Pretty good day, Fez. I think he was the second or third highest rated at PFF. You know, a Seattle quarterback has not gotten like an MVP vote recently. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Gino might get one. Oh, my God. That would be great. Oh, man. I mean, even with the <laughs> – I, I don't often feel bad for millionaires, but it feels like Russ – I've never seen a uh, – a society turn on someone so fast. I mean, even OJ didn't get turned on like this. Millie Vanilli. No, they never were really loved. <laughs> you mean when the lip syncing came out? Yeah. yeah, maybe. But everyone said, of course, what do you think? Uh, all right, so Seattle feels like, I mean, who, who would you pick to win the NFC West right now? Oh, the 49ers. 49ers. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, Did you see McCaffrey? Yeah. C-Max, incredible. Yeah, and we'll get to that game. I think there's some interesting points there for sure. Um, what are we putting up here, McKenzie? NFC West odds. Oh, wow. So did you get did you get my information? Yes. Uh, you Geno get... Smith had the 10th best QBR, third best PFF over the week. Victory. I don't know, Fez. Just play, play, play. <laughs> Victory. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, let's look at the odds in the West, in the NFC West. We got the 49ers. Is that 175? Yep. Their favor, not minus gigantic. 175. Yeah, minus 175. We got Seattle plus 330. We've got the Cardinals at uh, plus 13 to, well, 13 to 1. And we got the Rams four and a half to 1. Super Bowl champ Rams, things are not going well. So let's think about this. If I bet, how much would I have to, what kind of odds would I get if I said I want San Fran and Seattle? 
So I want to fade the Rams. I mean, you'd think I'd have a yes-no on all these teams too, right? Circa might. So the theory is you'd like be laying 600 maybe, a plus 450. Yeah, because yeah. Arizona's essentially zero. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so back to Seattle. Are you impressed yet? And Mackenzie, do me a favor. Look up the EPA the last three games, non-garbage time on defense. I want to see where Sa- where um, Seattle ranks. Their D has really come around the last three games. Yeah, they were winning all those shootouts early, and now well, the defense won this game. And frankly, you know the Giants. Well, I mean, they barely scored the entire game. Ten, um, and they got they got 13 points. They got seven points on a three-yard drive because there was a turnover in the three-yard line. So they got they basically got shut out the entire game. And I'd make the case Seattle dropped a couple of key passes. You know, I mean, it, it wasn't a great Seattle game, and they still won. Exactly. I mean, that's a good, that's a sign of a good team. I think exactly right. And see, so Seattle, the upgrade. I had them five points worse than an average team to start. They have climbed the mountain. They're zero. They're dead. They're dead equal to an average team rate. That seems under. Oh, well, check this out. Last three weeks, the best defenses in the NFL by EPA. Number one, Tennessee. Number two, Seattle. Mm. The second best defense and an MVP candidate at quarterback. Two of the be- one of the best receiving cores in the in the game. And a great running rookie running back. And getting disrespected. So Seattle at Arizona this week. We talk about this in the market report. Uh, you mean the tote watchers? Y- yeah. So Potpourri? Arizona. Three-point favorite. That didn't last. Now it's one and a half. So a lot of Seattle money. A lot of Seattle money. The markets are saying, screw you. Seattle's better than Arizona. Seattle can't be getting three or two and a half or two at Arizona. So do you? Th- and how good do you have Arizona being? I have Arizona... Being a one point worse than average team, number twenty. Okay, okay. So I got Arizona one point worse. No, so give me a couple. Give me the one or two teams above Seattle first in your rankings. Well, I got it's so clustered. All right, so let's say equal. Miami, New Orleans, Denver, Green Bay, all equal. Boy, I got wow. My instinct is Seattle is better than Denver, but that D is so good. I think Denver might have the best D in the league. I mean, I think it's... They might be one. I mean, Denver, Dallas, Seattle... Oh, I'm sorry, check that. Um, San Francisco, though obviously there's the one aberration. Um, Okay, so Winshare, fourth quarter, Seattle was 90%. So, you know, they had control of the game. Final score, uh, 27-13 Seattle, all right? Yep. Okay, next game. Now, but I guess one last thought. Both those teams, old school. Now, you might say Dayball's not old school. Well, he's playing old school. He's playing old school with a little analytics. Yeah, not trying know. to lose the game. Yes. I mean, you notice that Belichick kicked a lot of field goals. They, there's a talk now that the game plan, oh, we've, we have the game plan now to beat the Giants. Stop Barkley, you know? Oh, did they not know that before? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I do think at some point, I mean, there are ebbs and flows throughout a year. I mean, if Giants weren't going to be down in this game, when were they going to be down? Exactly, with all that the travel and fatigue. Okay, so let's continue through our teams. We talked about Tennessee. We talked about Seattle now. We've talked about the Giants. The next game, let's see here. Who do we want to talk about next? Um, Minnesota. Minnesota, Arizona. Now, just to talk about the actual final was an eight-point Minnesota cover, and we think it should have been Minnesota by two. Now, you've been anti-Minnesota. 
Arizona, since Hopkins has come back, much better team, it feels like. What was your takeaway from this game? I thought Minnesota should have won by three. I put it down as a phony final. Minnesota was five for five in the red zone, getting touchdowns. That was the difference. That's why they won by March. I still think they deserve to win the game. Um, they, the planets are aligning. Here's a Viking team that for a couple years, under Zimmer, all but they lose these close games. Now they're winning them. Um, is it going to continue? We will see. I tend to believe they'll win half of them. So I think Minnesota is still overrated. Now, this is fascinating. Your take on this was just playing off statistically. So if we look at late downs, all right, so that's third and fourth down. Arizona lost five points. For sure, they did. But so did Minnesota. They lost five points. So when you add it up, it was a break. Late downs were a break even. Ah, so they're scoring in the red zone, but they're scoring on first and second downs. So you're saying it's not nearly as much. Oh, so you were talking about late downs or red zone? Red zone. Okay, let's look at red zone. zone. I tell you, Fez, your instincts are pretty good on the red zone, or as we call it, the green zone, 33 and in, which is where, in theory, you got a field goal from 50. Now, that's not a short thing, but you're in the scoring zone. Is Minnesota nine points above expectations they scored in the green zone this game? So they win by eight. Uh-huh. Should, they should be in overtime right now. Well, right? but Take remember, away. that's not the only factor. If you add everything up, we think Minnesota's been lucky by three points in the game, yeah. which actually pretty much lines up to what you thought the final should be. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I, at some point, I've not been a Viking fan, and I thought about this. I'm like, should I not give the Vikings an upgrade again? And I said, you know, I've got the Vikings rated lower than the entire world. I bumped Minnesota by half a point just because they did get the win. And at some point, sometimes you got to say if a team just consistently is outperforming my expectations in the statistics, maybe it, it would be better so for me to So not do outperforming that. in the statistics, but outperforming on the scoreboard, yes. outperforming your statistical projection. Exactly. Maybe I'm like, does it feel right to be that I only had the Vikings a half point better than the average team? Does that feel right? I'm like, you know what, directionally, I think i got to make them a point better. Well, to me— one, I think there's a bias towards there's only one team that wins in a given year, the Super Bowl. So now, let's say Tennessee last year. Let's say you were a naysayer, and you were to Tennessee. Were you right? They were the number one seed, but then they lost. Well, see, I told you so. Well, did Kansas City lose to the same team the next week? Small sample, one game, three interceptions. One team wins. To me, if you get the if people start saying you're overrated mid-year and you get the number 1 seed, you've already won. You've already exceeded expectations. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, the World Series of pay- Poker in the final table. Like, how many times does Norman Chad say, "Boy, you know, you play the three five of diamonds. That's going to happen to you, Billy Cop. You know, every everyone's getting eliminated, but one guy. Of course, the the, the cards are not going to flop right for somebody. Yeah, and and I, I think that it's too eat. Now, listen, Minnesota isn't one of these teams that we would say is old school. They're sound though, you know. Oh yeah. I, to some degree, all the there's been. They've su- got. A, I mean, they got a really good running back. Obviously, Dalvin Cooks. You know. But you think he's the driver? No. Uh, I don't think so. Justin Jefferson's the driver and the threat of Justin Jefferson. Yeah. So to me, it feels like. So here's the thing I think we're going to see with this, the Shanahan system. All right. And which I think it's applicable here. 
is when you're running a system, let's say, I'll give you an example. The Patriots run a lot of man-to-man defense, more than mostly than any team. Now, this year, a little bit less than they did. There's certain cornerbacks that can cover man-to-man well, but aren't great in zone, right? Now, the Steelers run a lot of zone, right? They've always wanted linebackers to be the key, and they would be just average. If they could be average or even better, great. But average was the goal with the D-backs, superior at the D-line, right, or with the rush ends. Now, the question is, what does most of the league want? If most of the league wants what you want, now there's a bidding war. Everyone's bidding more for them. But if two years ago you liked a fullback, you could have your pick of fullbacks yes. and get them pretty cheap, right? So Shanahan, what, five years ago, how many teams were running this zone blocking, you know, the way that they, you know, there's very specific needs at the, with the linemen, with the backs, the receivers, being able to block, for example. Well, now, since half the league seems to be running this, everyone's going to be going after those players. Mm. So I do think it's interesting that when there's ebbs and flows in, in, in styles, and what we're seeing now is in coaches, there's a run on offensive minds that are young. Mm-hmm. right? And you get a guy like the Denver coach, <laughs> Hackett. And even though he's a, his family was coaches, his dad coached a pit, if I recall, he doesn't. He's not ready to be a head coach in the NFL. He's not. The best thing I could say about him is that he came out and said, "You know, I'm not ready, and I need to get some people in here to help me." But why did he get the job? It was because he's he was on a, the Packers staff. Mm-hmm. Oh, he knew this court. But back in the day, those guys would get a job ten years later. A lot of people were saying Hackett wasn't going to survive his trip to London if they didn't get the W. I mean, think Seemed about too early, but I mean, well, well, listen, it was too early to hire him too. Mm. And remember, he the, the Walton family that owns that team now didn't hire him, mm. right? So in a weird way, it was the prior. I mean, there. I mean, if you buy a a, a business for what was it, four and a half billion dollars, and you didn't hire the guy running it, and he seems to be like they're ridiculing him in the press. How long are you waiting? That's a good point. Right? All right. Get rid of the prime minister after 44 days. So, so, well, I think that he chose to leave, right? She did, yeah. Oh, she, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of Boris. Um, You know, there's a letterman that has Boris, uh, what was it, Johnson? Was that his name? Yeah, Boris Johnson. He was on um, Letterman like 10 years ago. And he was very affable. It was very interesting. I knew it made a mistake mentioning a politician because I know nothing about him. Yeah, I don't know much about British politics. Is, yeah, yeah 4.65 billion they bought him for. Okay, so my point is, I think just sound football. I don't believe that the people hiring are all that worried about how sound these coaches are. They're worried about the latest, brightest, shiniest thing. Mm, I agree. And to me, some of these old school, you know, put cross their arms and kind of, you know, stand there with a vacant look. Maybe no one within three yards of them. Maybe that's not so bad. Mm. What I'm saying is those old, like a Jim Caldwell. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't win you in the press conference. He didn't win you over necessarily. His demeanor on the sidelines didn't win you over, but he won 10 games with the Lions. Now they, they win three. Um, exactly. And you had a rocket scientist there. Yes. <laughs> and now you got a knee biter and still not 10. Mm. Com- I don't think those two coaches won 10 combined. And they're yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next game. So who we got left on the, oh, the, the big surprises? Uh, we talked about Minnesota. We talked, uh, should we talk 
Tennessee. We, we did Tennessee. We did uh, Seattle. We did against Giants. Uh, let's talk Giants. No, well, we talked Giants in that so season. Atlanta's our last. That's one. our last one. There we go. Now this. This was a roller coaster ride at the end of the game. This was the greatest game played in the history of the NFL. All right, <laughs> so give me your impression. All right, so let me let me recap it, and then I'll, I'll go through. So there's so much to package here. So Atlanta is laying four in the game. All right, they're up three at the end of the game, and tick tick tick. They're running out the clock. They get stopped with just enough time to kick the field goal. So Atlanta's going to cover, and they go up six which makes Atlanta betters happy. It makes Atlanta serve. There's 12 people in Circus Survivor that had Atlanta. Mm-hmm. All right. I had Carolina. All right. So Carolina, they take My over. My best bat. They here. take over, and they get, they, they, they get the ball to the 37-yard line, and there's 22 seconds to play. There's no, they're out of timeouts. It's done. Dunzo. So they did a very, I thought, almost every NFL team in this spot tries like three little short out patterns and then throw Hail Mary. Kind of like Kansas City against Buffalo. Uh, well, Kansas City only needed a field goal. So yeah. they need a touchdown. Okay. Okay. So teams are like, let's get to midfield and let's chuck the the the, the Hail Mary. Well, Carolina said, you know, screw that. We're going to throw the Hail Mary before the other team knows we're going to throw the Hail Mary. But was it a Hail Mary? No, it was a bomb. But the defense should be covering it. But the defense, I think, was like, well, they're going to try like a 15-yard out pattern so they can set up their Hail Mary. So I think that they were kind of taking that away. And and Walker, he heaved that ball 70 yards in the air. So it was apparently by the uh, next-gen stats, 67 yards in the air, the longest throw during the tracking era. Was it 67? Yeah, yeah I, I, The I, longest I, throw during the tracking era. I believe era. it, because it literally looked like the wide receiver was covered and the and the, and the safeties were like, well, he we can't throw it that all the way into the end zone, but he did. So this wide receiver had a step and a half, and he, and he completed it. So, boom, miracle touchdown bomb. Um, Walker can throw 10 yards further than – or 15 yards further than Lawrence of Jacksonville. I don't know how that's possible when – Lawrence is a once in a generation, and he can't get it to the end zone when he's throwing five yards further up the field. Five yards further? I, th- I th- wasn't ten he like yards on the forty-five. Further. Yeah, 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 ten yards further. He can't, and, and he can't get to the end zone not once but twice. So we know he can't do it. Um, but then, so Carolina's going to win. There's only fourteen seconds left, except their wide receiver celebrated that he, like he just won the lottery, rips his helmet off, jumps up, does the Lambo leap, and flags fly fifteen yards. And then, obviously, Atlanta says, you know what? We're not going to take the 15 yards on the kickoff. We're going to enforce it on the extra point. 48-yard extra point. Poor kicker. No good. And well, poor, poor team. Poor team. I mean, you're supposed to make a 47. Well, you are. Yeah. Well, let's think about this now. So it's it's going to be a 50 yarder, right? Because it's 35 on the extra point it's, now, right? It's 50. It's 30. It's 15 plus 35. 15 and seven, 32 becomes 47, 48, 47. Well, so the extra point is 32 yards? Yeah, 15. I thought it's from it was the 35. It's from the 15. Oh, and it's a seven yards back. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. 47 yards. Yes. Okay, so here, here is the uh, win percentage chances at the end of the game. So I'm going <laughs> to show you. This is going to be great. I'm going to show you this. So it's literally um, the odds. So Carolina, oh, check that. Atlanta had with. Uh, Near the end of regulation, they were about 95%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then, boom, with a straight line, it goes all the way up to Carolina being 
8% because the theory is you just got to make the extra point. Before right? the penalty, right. Yeah. And but even even after the penalty, I guess what would it be then? I I, I guess it shifted a little I, bit. Yeah, so you it's make, hard you, to tell you, just you looking probably, at. Well, you, pr- you probably make that extra point eighty percent of the time, and so if you miss, so there, there's you lose so overtime now. Ninety percent. He's 90. got some numbers up here. So I say ninety. It looks like forty-seven yards is about seventy-three percent. It looks like. Okay, so Atlanta has a. Um, is they're going to lose seventy three percent of the time? They're going to lose half the twenty seven percent. So it's like eighty. It's like eighty five percent. And then boom, it has a drop. All I mean, it, it, this is one of the craziest. I mean, literally, it whipsaws from almost sure Atlanta win to almost sure Carolina win. And remember, Carolina had a short field goal to win in overtime. Right. So the kicker could say, "Hey, I had to make this forty eight yarder. It's not my fault." And well, okay. Now we now you only have to make a thirty five yarder. We'll make it back like where it was supposed to be. Nope. He missed that one also. Yeah, this is um, this is crazy. Uh, what we will say is this: Texas R- Walker Ranger, impressive. I mean, and 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 listen, Mahomes was on social media saying that was the best throw of the year. Oh, he literally at sixty-seven yards, he could have like like freeze everybody, walked down the field, handed it to like a handoff. And the ball would be right where he threw it. It was beautiful. That's what I think. Non, like even division. If you're a Division One major conference player, you kind of understand. I mean, obviously there's levels above it, right? NFL. But if you haven't played Division One, I, I didn't. Is it's hard to really understand that these guys. This is they are geniuses, or let's just say this: they're the best in the world. Some of them are geniuses at the sport. They are good. Most D backs are great, not because they're so fast. It's their fast, but they anticipate. And what is anticipation? Knowing how far a quarterback can throw. Exactly. Muscle memory. They know that the, 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 the ball cannot go beyond as far as, as Walker threw it. And the, here's my question. This is an undrafted free agent, right? Mm-hmm. Why do quarterbacks get a chance but are undrafted? Usually it's the lack of physical tools. Mm. Right. Well, this guy clearly has the physical. Because if tools. you're six five and you got a cannon, I don't care how bad you were in college, yeah. you get drafted in the fifth round. Sure. So how? I mean, I want to understand how this guy. I'm not sure what kind of career he's going to have, but what was his limitation? I don't know. Well, luckily, I have a lot of draft books. I'm going to break them open yes. and see. Um, Arm strength is not one of his limitations. And it's funny. You can see where the the film guys. I, two weeks ago, I said. Texas Ranger is throwing the ball really well. Started with the very first uh, touchdown in Tampa back of the end zone. Only receiver was covered, had like a small window to complete it, put it right on him, right under the goalpost. What do you think of motivation for Carolina? Do you think this team is – remember, Mike Lombardi's son is on that staff. He's still there. So the sense is, hey, they're lame ducks, but if they do something amazing, who knows, right? I think that's the sense, is – I think the coaches are fighting hard. They're in contention for the division title. Well, now they're two. In, I mean, that win would have been important, right? Uh, that yeah, that yes. But I mean, they're two games out. Yeah. So, but but I guess what I'm saying is, do you? Because we felt like Carolina packed it in. I mean, the indictment was after 
the Rams beat them and covered after the coach was fired, which is usually when a team rallies and has a dead cat bounce. They didn't. You took that to be a disaster. That was disastrous. Yeah, when I saw the Robbie Anderson defection, you know, where he's like, I just fighting with the coaching, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that never happens the week after a coach gets fired. It's a kumbaya week. And I thought that, and turns out that was just an isolated instance of one player. Yeah, it, it seems like this team's still trying. And especially when they got rid of their best player, you figure, but I, I'm, I'm inclined to play Carolina. Yeah, because they can blame this on the kicker. You know, the, 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 the players won the game and the kicker blew it. Let's look at our fifth team, Atlanta, that is, I think, playing not to lose. This was a team against the Bengals, gave up a lot of points. It was Burroughs rule coming out of 2022 last week, and they still run, 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 even though they picked the number one receiver last year in the draft and the highest pick tight end ever the year before, they did not want to throw. They threw a little more in this game, but not much. It's run, 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 not beating themselves. You know, one thing about this team that I did not like this past game is that you could talk about, well, that was kind of a miracle at the end of the, at the, end of the game that, that Carolina completed that bomb on Atlanta. But I could come over the top and say, you know what? At the end of the first half, there was a miracle also. So Carolina's up 10-7, to 7, the half's ending, and the clock's running out, and they threw a Walker, the bad side of Walker. He threw a pick six that was just completely inexcusable that gave Carolina, Atlanta mm-hmm. seven free points at the end of the first half. But because it was the first but half— why is that a miracle? If a, if, if a third-string quarterback bet, throws a pick because six? Because I bet Carolina plus three first half when we said it was a miracle <laughs> loss. All right, so there you go. So <laughs> you asked. We, we actually have Carolina winning the game by one in our average of the metrics. What do you have the final? I mean, what do you think it should have I been? could have gone either way, evenly okay. played game. And if you look at, and that's how we saw it, if you look at the luck factors, it said Carolina was three points unlucky. Uh, let's see here. This is interesting. Turnovers. Atlanta benefited by six points, but in the green zone, they were hurt by six points. Late downs, two points of negative for Carolina. And then um, kicking. kicking was two points of negative. Yeah, and only two points. Wow. And uh, there you go. So pretty much it is interesting where if you just were zeroed in on the turnovers, Clearly, Carolina suffered more. They were down six points from what they should have been. But then if you look at the green zone, it flipped. That's why I think it's important. you got to look at these in combination. And you I can did, always point at pick sixes, lucky t- Like you have it sometimes. I have. I, I did bump Carolina by a point in my power ratings. I lowered Atlanta by a half. And part of that was it's very clear to me that this Carolina team's playing hard. And I expect they'll continue to play hard for the foreseeable short-term future. Okay, Fez. I'm going to let you now, because I get to have my narrative group of games. I want you the biggest Faulty final, the biggest deception, the scoreboard's lying, so you can cry and whine. Hmm. We, we, we addressed some of them. Let me talk about the Patriots-Jets, because this—I don't know if it's the biggest deception, mm-hmm. but it's rare that I do this, RJ. I downgraded both teams. I took really? them both down a half, because Wilson of the Jets, three interceptions, played very poorly. But I got to tell you, I do not like anything that I saw from the Patriots, and there was one play that won't show up in any of the stats and the like— the Jets were leading in this game, and 
Patriots threw a pick six, 65-yard pick six, touchdown oh, well, Everyone's talking about it. There was a rough in the passer. Yes. But it was a rough in the passer. Well, but yes, but it was – but how fortuitous that – I mean, if there were, if, if the Dumbo lineman had nothing to do with the play, doesn't rough him, there's, that's a 10-point swing right there that changes the game completely, and it doesn't show up in any stat or anywhere. Well, what's fascinating is we have the Jets losing 17 points on luck. That is actually wow. That's a big number. Yeah, Pittsburgh lost eighteen. So let's look. Let's break this down. All right. First thing is turnovers. We got the Jets nine points they've lost. Now you might say, well, of course. No, no, no. If you actually look at just the turnovers for the Jets um, themselves on offense, they lost three points. But New England gained six points where they should have had more turnovers. So net-net, it was nine points negative for the Jets, the turnovers. Okay, so that's minus nine. Uh, Green zone was even. Mm -hmm. Late downs, third and fourth down, the Jets lost four points. So now we're at 13 points lost. And then they lost four points kicking. So it was a total of 17 points. So we actually had it projected that the um, Jets – should have won the game by nine, by nine. That was an outlier. Kevin Cole had it, New England, by two. Uh, the stats said Jets by five. So this was, but I guess my question is. So that is, agrees directionally with my lower the Patriots rating. Yeah, but, but here's my question. If Belichick only has one, like there's a famous quote, Belichick says, stats are for losers. What? Yeah. And what he meant, I think, was people don't talk about stats when they win. Have you ever seen a team win a game and say, do you see that? We outgained them by 150 yards. No, they say scoreboard, right? You, you know, it's funny because I only the, the, they interviewed the Georgia quarterback. Okay. And, and, and the person interviewing said, do you realize you only had six incomplete passes all game? And it was like, that was like the first time I've ever had someone like, like, you know, quote, like not, I mean, it, it would be one thing to say, you threw six touchdown passes, but she quoted incompletions and it was so rare. You're right. They normally don't talk about the stats. They're like, you got the win. You know, that, that's all that but matters. What, someone asked the, the quarterback about that. How do you respond? He looked confused. Like, like he's like, what are you like, talking like, about? No we won. A, he, he, he's like, I, I'm not programmed to answer this. I, you know, the, the media people have never, you know, prepped me for this well, type of question. I, but, but I think that I think if you're an athlete, yeah. you're thinking, I want to win. Yeah, whatever it that's takes. That's what he said. You know, that's yep. So my point is, if you're Belichick, this reminds me of now. Think about this: the Floyd Mayweather fight, all right, against the UFC. Yes, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. It looked like McGregor fought much better than expected in that fight. But Mayweather, who is a genius at boxing, whatever else in his life, we're talking about boxing here. Well, he's a genius at making money, too. Okay, there's two things. Is not great with the women, it seems. So, you know, let's not act like we're dismissing that because a lot of people will say, oh, you're talking. No. Yes, it's bad to hit women. Horrible. Okay, now. He knew that McGregor couldn't keep punching because, like, what you again, I'm not a boxer, but to actually box for like 12 rounds or was that 10 or 12? I think it was 12, I can't remember. Is it's almost impossible if you're not a boxer, it takes uh-huh. like coming up. So he figured it was almost like the Ollie Ropa dope. I'll let him swing, he won't really connect, but he'll look competitive. 
But come round six or seven, he will not have anything left. Yeah, and, and, it, and many had I know in the live wagering that McGregor went off like a like a four to like a three to one mm-hmm, underdog, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then by the end of round two and three. He was still an underdog, but it was getting priced. Like in the live wagering, the b- people who and let's face it, there's a lot of people betting on this that never bet this sort of thing, and they're not they weren't well versed. They're like McGregor looks great. Well, I didn't know at the time either. But, yeah, but they're like he's he, he, he's up two rounds to one after three rounds, and then he didn't win another round. And and the funny thing was. It was like Mayweather would have won 95% of the time regardless. But, but now it, he wins every time. It almost became 100%. With this, And to me, what Belichick did was he said, maybe this game's going to be closer. Maybe the stats aren't going to work. But he can't beat me if I do this. But if I go for it on fourth down more than the one time, yes. if I could lose. The, like, he lowered the variance. Chess, chess grandmasters do this. Like, I could never beat like, – like, I could beat chess masters. I could beat masters – that went into tactical wars with me because they could miscalculate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if they just hung back, you know, protected their king, played positionally, we went into the end game, I'd lose every time. Because over the long run, it got in, in the long run, we'd play 60 Lower moves. the variance. And I'd make subtle mistakes here or there, one significant mistake. I'd lose. No variance. i lose every single time. But if they point their pieces at my king and I point my pieces at their king, now all of a sudden, one lucky punch, I could win. You know, that's fascinating because there's a famous, there was two straight matches between Kasparov and Karpov, uh, the Russians, and I think in 88 and maybe 91, in which the last game, one of them needed a win, mm. right? So, you know, one to go needing a win is very tough at really the Grandmaster level. But Karpov or Kasparov won the first one and he needed to win. And he said, what what ends up happening is, the team, the guy that needs to win tries to get wild, right? right? And and he said, but here's the thing. If you play a slow game at the beginning and the middle, the other guy doesn't know what to do because he's trying to say, I, I, I don't want to lose. I'm willing to take the draw. But if the, guy, if the other guy is not being bold, he's just being very meticulous. Now, do you play a normal game? Or do you start trying to say a, a tie strategy and it becomes very hard to, to, to make those judgments? It's, it starts on move one if you're black, for instance, because you play the French defense, which is a very passive opening that lends oh, itself to French more, passive. I yeah, get it. it. It lends itself to more draws. You dig tree, but basically trenches, you trench in there. And the problem with that is white gets this tiny edge to start, you know, whereas if you play like a Sicilian, it's more of an equal game, but it's wild, you know? So, so right off the bat, you're more likely to draw, but you're not, but now you're slightly worse and it gets harder and harder with it. You keep it subsequently saying to yourself, well, this is the best move, but this is dangerous, and I still should be able to hold on to the draw if I make this more passive move. And you do that enough times, and all of a sudden, you're in the end game and you're losing. I've got an idea, Fez. Think about, you don't even have to articulate what this is, but think about something that you're world-class at. Now, it's going to be gambling. It's going to be something niche. Just think about it, all right? Like, where you think you're as good as anyone. Now... How much do you know, and maybe in-game betting, you know, is right up there, is how much do you know that an intelligent outsider that's a bystander doesn't know? Oh, zillions. Huge, right? Okay. Belichick is the best at what he does, which is winning football games. Do you think that our models anyone's models really are thinking at the level he is. No. 
So to me, now I don't think there's many people like now Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan with that offense. You know, they talk about, oh, so and so knows it, so and so knows, but he knows it better. Like, what's he gonna do with McCaffrey? Well, we saw a little bit, but he knows better than anyone else. If I may give an example. Yeah. And this is this you you're you I think you're gonna really like this. All right. Blackjack. Okay. I misplay one thirteenth of my hands. Okay. When the dealer has an ace up, I always take insurance for less. Because right. it, it's camouflage. I put up $1. Mm-hmm. So when a computer is rating me, they say he takes insurance on every hand. It's, a, it's an egregious mistake. Yeah, yeah. But I insure for less. For it's $1. emblematic of a bad player or of a non-optimal player. Exactly. But it doesn't cost me that much because I insure for less. That's a, an example. But no one would understand it. Like a neophyte would just so say. So if someone was looking at you and observing, they'd say, see, he doesn't really know blackjack. Complete, yeah, complete novice. Which brings up the point, and this is something Tony Romo talked about a couple years ago, that the Patriots were winning like – this was yeah. Brady's last year. It was like 35-10. And they did a couple things in the red zone that didn't make sense. Yes. And well, it wasn't it wasn't based on the Belichickian way. Let's say it was counter to that. And what Romo said was, "Oh, he's dirtying the stats." Like he ran a draw in fourth and ten when he went for it. And the theory is, no one can remember every play. All they can do is have him in a database. And now it's going to say, "What does Belichick do in this spot?" You know, third and ten, fourth. Never and- do that with the game on the line. Yes. So like. It's like everyone wants to worship at the altar of data. That's a great example. And, what a great example. And, and to me, that is if someone understands that, then they're going to try to mess with the data. Mm-hmm. And thus, to me, I, my sense is Belichick is playing a certain way, kicking, what, five field goals, because he figures this guy's going to have a lot of trouble scoring points against us. He's going to make a lot of mistakes. Let's let him make it. Let's let him make Let's get out of his way. He's mm-hmm. trying to lose this game. And McKenzie pops up 65% against the spread with first or second year QBs for his career. So Belichick is winning. Now that's against the spread. I mean, he, he was laying, what, 10, 12 points for a lot of those decades against first year quarterbacks. He's to play against Sam Ellinger this week. <laughs> and, and he won two out, nearly two out of three, lost last week mm-hmm. in Chicago. But again, I think that's one thing we got to put in our Belichick anti book is this team at least is not fast enough against running quarterbacks. And that against, I almost said Kelly, against Josh Allen is a problem. That might that might well be their man-to-man defense also because obviously when no, the but he knows how to account yeah. for that. Yeah, but it's, it's hard to play man-to-man. And well, they, but they, even they play man-to-man, I think, like 55%. Yeah. And they do less against certain quarterbacks um, because the theory is your back is turned oftentimes. D-backs don't know when the you know quarterback is going to run. Okay, next game you have a complaint about. Let's talk 49ers-Rams. All right. Now, I will say this, and we should do more of this. In fact, let's go back to the games we covered real quick and see where the what happened late. Because the late line moves, line moves, mm-hmm. can tell us a lot. So, um, let's see here. Uh, how do I want to go about this? One that jumps out at me was this game. So, let's start. This game closed Rams favored. Yeah, what was going on there? Well, I think they heard my argument on Wednesday. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so. but what? How did you? I mean, it went to pick them come Saturday, and then it closed one Rams favored. That takes big money. I mean, it wasn't the public betting on the Rams. Well, I think it power rating wise, you could make the case for the Rams for sure. You know, I th- I think that there was a little poo pooing of we talked about the home field and how the 49ers would have more fans. Mm-hmm. The 49ers definitely had more fans than that for game. sure. Yeah. Um, Bill Simmons was talking. It, it was something that surprises me how extreme 
It was, I was skeptical it would be that extreme. But here's what I found out when the uh, Simmons shared this. When the uh, stadium was being constructed, they had overruns where it was costing a lot more money, you know, billions more. I think it ended up costing $4 billion or something. Is they had to start to sell seat licenses and stuff to a lot of the ticket brokers, where oh. they wouldn't usually do that, but the brokers would pay a premium. And they knew they would, yeah. They, they were just willing to pay a premium for them, and uh. yeah. So, in a way, it conspires against the team's home field advantage, but the owner made more money, right? Because if I'm living in LA and I'm a moderate Rams fan, I'm not paying three hundred twenty-eight dollars for a ticket. But if I'm like, you might not even be able to get season tickets because so many are sold, you know, through the right. ticket. Broker. But if I'm from the Bay Area and I live in Southern California, which is Tons of people. I'm like, hey, here's once a year I get to watch my Niners. You know, absolutely. That's nothing. And the theory is there's more. The tickets really will be. So I agree with both points. If you're a fan for the local team, it's going to be more expensive to go to the games than it typically would be because more brokers have tickets. Right. Your buddies don't have even if you don't have season tickets, your buddies might or whatever. Right. And there's more tickets in the pool being sold week to week. Because more ticket brokers, which means for San Fran, it might be cheaper to come down than it would to come to Pittsburgh or something. Because in Pittsburgh, it's it's going to be really competitive because they're closely held. The tickets yes. are closely held. Here, Getting a ticket in Green Bay or Pittsburgh is going to be a lot more difficult. Yeah, so to me, this was a perfect storm for a very good fan base. And don't be mad. I don't want to go to Pittsburgh. But I want to go down to, like, Marina Del Rey. There you go. Well, listen, you're a California guy. You, David Lee Roth, just at heart. You know, you like the beach. You like the wind in your I head. can't drive. 55. Uh, well, you're thinking of Sammy Hagar. Oh, that's Sammy Hagar. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, you're <laughs> I was thinking of, well, New York girls are hip. I really, you know, California girls. Like the way their hair. The way they hair. Exactly. Yeah, something the, like exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like when Howard Stern, they would, they would have, um, the crackhead Bob singing a song, and they'd have his mic, and he was like, <laughs> "You've seen me drive. I got one foot on the brake, one foot on the gas, right? I mean, you're being safe, precious, yeah. precious, not cargo. safe, precious cargo. Now, real quick, let's look at some of the what other closes do you think were surprising for the late movement? I see that there was a late move against, uh, actually against the Saints. It looks like the Raiders took money late. Yeah, went that to was, one and a half. That was curious because well, I kept it dipped down, then it went back. Okay. Yeah, I mean they're. they're you know, there was not a lot of, you know, big line movements. All right. So it looks like the Jacksonville went from one to one and a half late. But that one came down, down, down. Then it whipsawed back, right? Yeah. And that was the London 630 in the morning. Yeah. Whoever was favored is going to catch money the last half hour. <laughs> it seems like that happens every London game. And, and your theory is the wise guys aren't there to buy back. But they bought back here or they, they bought it after it got to four on the World Open. It just went down, 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 down. It yeah. finally reached one. Then it went back up. Yeah. You know, I got a new theory. Tell me if this makes any sense. You got your power ratings. Mm-hmm. Now, follow me here a second. So my theory is that there's the power ratings and then there's external factors. Now, what are those external factors? It could be, I don't think injury is what I'm talking about. So let's set aside injury for a second. We're talking about streak. His team's streaking. This team's surging, right? Mm-hmm. It could be matchups, you know, Shanahan versus the Rams or versus Big Vay, et cetera. I think New England against the Jets. New England against the Jets. I think sometimes the market accounts for those factors fully at the beginning, 
Because sometimes they're skeptical of them, and you have to bet, you bet, and then it moves that way. Or they assume it's correct, and the line gets to the most extreme it can be. And if it moved one half point more, it would be that's crazy. This is already happening. So the Raiders are playing Jacksonville this week. All right. All right. And the memo has gone out that the Raiders are staying in Florida. Okay. And also the Raiders got shut out. All, All right? right. So boom, the Raiders are favored at Jacksonville by one and a half now. Okay. Now it sure seems to me, can that line get go any higher? Yeah, that's I mean, the question. So what's your power rating saying? That? I've got them very close to equal. I, I got, well, that's not true. Actually, I got I, I have them. One second. I have the Raiders actually one and a half points better, but I am as high on the Raiders as anybody. Okay, so, so and you downgraded them how much from last week? Two points. Okay, so under your theory, then the game should be pick them. Yes. All right, and right now the Raiders are what? One and a quarter favorites. All right, so your point is it's one with some some one and a halves out there is what you're saying. Yes. Okay, so your theory is it can't go to two. It just can't. All right, because it would be what? But that would only be what two points off of your power rating. Yes, but now you're 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 in Wong teaser category where everybody's going to start banging Jacksonville and, and teasers. Uh, you think the books are fun. really scared of that right now? Depends what their what their what it depends what their teaser odds are. All right, the books with good teaser odds probably are scared. The books with bad teaser odds don't care. Well, but the books that have good teasers, teaser odds have decided for some reason they want those good odds because it's a lost leader. Because all or, these minus eights keep getting losing well, but outright. I mean, but they've been years and years they've been deciding to have it, right? You know, that's a good point because they're going to lose. They're going to lose if they're if – they're, Do you think that, – see, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. I believe that all the fourth downs and and the ways that the teams losing are going for it on their own 35 and stuff i think the six points have never been worth less that's a great point right i mean i i, I agree with that for whatever reason scoring's down and that should help you know yeah, versus- but but that's going to help by what fra- if it goes from 46 to 43 and a half that is what it's it's 5 two, yeah. 5% <laughs> okay all right that's i mean i'm not saying that's nothing mm-hmm. but in the scheme of things if you're saying they're fine, that's like saying what then is is an extra nickel, or I guess in this case it'd be like a nickel less of juice in theory, right? If you're gaining five, yeah, it's cents. probably it's probably worth a nickel. Okay, yeah. but now the question is how much? What's the variance on these score? You know, the standard on deviation? these crazy fourth down conversions and, I, and I two think, point conversions and everything, and and yeah, and you know, part of that, like I hate teasing one and a half to seven and a half. I hate because eight's falling more. Stupid eight. Teams down 14, 14, they score the touchdown, they go for two. Unless they're the Houston Texans and there's eight seconds to play. So doubling back is it feels like the the Raiders could— By the way, the Houston did cover their seven-and-a-half-point teaser because they kicked the extra point, which no one in the NFL does anymore except for Lovey Smith. Well, he's trying not to lose, but he's not doing so well. (laughs) It feels like a a two-and-a-half, I would agree with you. It can't go to three. I right. see. I mean, it, it, it I, could. You're right. You're right. Because they, they from a, from just betting against the spread, any line that can go to one, one from pick to one and a half can go to two and a half. But three is the stopper. So if you if so, and, and with the teaser two, the theory is it gets to two and a half. You're at eight and a half. All of a sudden, yeah. now that's more attractive. Yes. So it feels like here's what I've noticed though. Do you agree with me that sometimes? And, you know, more I think about this, more I think if it's a narrative, if it's something where the story's bigger than the analysis, 
I don't think the the numbers matter. There's been games in the last couple of years where the line is keeps going, and it's like, oh, the wise guys like Atlanta, but they it goes way past the point of reasonableness. But if it's just a normal game that doesn't have that narrative, sometimes the line will happen to its extreme point, at least at my perception of it. I want to start at that point. I want to start just firing, you know, because it feels like they all. I mean, it feels like if you here's the question. How often does a line close at its most extreme point? Mm. My sense is rarely. Very rarely, because there's always, like, when there's a good story. Like, I'll use an example, you know, this week. So here's a good story for you. Philly-Houston Thursday night. Mm -hmm. So Houston can't stop the run. Derrick Henry just ran all over them. Plus, it looked like Houston was it was not it was futile. It was like if you're betting the Texans, it feels like you're throwing money away in a way. Exactly. So you'd say, "Well, I'm going to bet Houston at post." That's like I'm. It's like the wise guy memo is out. Bet Houston at post. We want 14 on the game. You know what? But then all of a sudden, it's a game of chicken because if RJ's going to bet a post, I got to bet five minutes before post and beat him because mm-hmm. the line will move. But if RJ's going to bet five minutes before post, McKenzie's going to bet eight minutes before mm-hmm. post. You get, you get where I'm going. And that brings up the point that wise guys aren't working together. They're actually working against each other often. Yeah, there's their competition. So what happens, like, as an example, let's just use a random – game's minus four and it goes up to minus six and a half, all right? Then it goes to seven on, like, early Sunday morning. It doesn't close seven. It closes six. Mm-hmm. People take the seven. The wise guys were waiting for it. They grab it, and it comes down to six and a half or six. And it often drops below the point that it was flat at for a long time because when it goes to seven, people can get it, or maybe they're late. And then when it goes back to six and a half, they figure it's never going back to seven. I'll take it to six and a half. Yes, or or it's six and a half, and then boom, a couple key indicator books go to six, and you just go, God dang it. Take the six and a half, fine, and we load up on it. Yeah, because, I mean, I think it's very rare that it's going to go to seven, get bought instantly, go back down, and then go back up again late on game day. We won't get a double move like that ever. I mean, that happens a lot during the week because if if something's teetering before a key number, if a book gets lopsided, they'll bring it up, take a bat, and bring it right back down. And right? it, yeah, and, and it, there can be competing wise guys. In, in college, for instance, there's a fascinating game. Air Force, I know it's an NFL pod. No, go ahead. Air Force is playing Army. Armed Force games are 39 and 9 to the under. Mm-hmm. Okay? And everyone I've spoken to says the total is 39 on this, or is 40 on this game, and everyone says they make the total 48. Mm-hmm. So I have sharps that are telling me, I love the over. I know Army can throw the ball now. I love the over. And I got other sharps saying, the dumb, dumb market, market is going to get this one wrong. We're just going to we're going to cash another ticket with Armed Forces under. That's why with any trend, if you're a trend player, you have to have a way to gauge what the line should be if there was no trend. And, and then the zigzag is an example of that, yeah. right? In the NBA playoffs, the, the market has moved it in such a way, it's obvious it's having an effect but if all you did was bet it blind, you could say, oh, it's 67%, 20 years. Yeah, but what would the line be? And the beauty of the zigzag is you've got the previous game as your as your your game one, you know, on that you can balance everything and you know exactly what the spread should have been between the two teams because the market's already told you before the game unless there's an extenuating circumstance. One last thing or two last things quick here. This look-ahead line, and we're not, you know, we'll do this on the uh, Wednesday night taping, Thursday release of the Dream Preview. But well, I guess we won't because it's a Thursday game. Mm. This look-ahead line was nine, right? So it was nine Philly, and now it's thirteen. 
Sure looks like an overreaction. You know, to, I know Philly looked great. Yeah. You cashed big time with the first half and the Philly team total over. Um, I thought that was a really solid play across the board. Wish we'd bet even more on it. Always easy after the fact. And Houston was pathetic, but still, four points. And also, you're moving to 13. So now you're moving into regression points where this is really like a five-point move. I just wish we had more on that that parlay. I know. <laughs> more than zero. Some places wouldn't take it. I tried yeah. to— so, so They wouldn't close 11 and a half? On Saturday night, we tried to parlay minus 10 to the over on the Philly game but because like Westgate had gone to 10. For some reason, and isn't that interesting? Like the game closes 11 and a half, 12, uh, really 11 and a half. And the, when the sharper books, Westgate had gone down to 10, but they don't let you parlay side to total. If if it's a big total or if it's a big side like that, right? Right. right. I don't I don't know if, if they're if it's 20 percent side to total or what there's what their formula is, but they wouldn't let you play it. The um, and to me, I think that's an undiscovered area for me that I'm just delving into is when you do have a system. When does it? affect the total also yes. meaning if the system is an effect meaning the the factors that make the system work if they happen because they don't happen every game in theory it causes what the offense to score more the defense to play better what and thus it can be correlated and it just happened to be in this one it was because it was a big number but i would have liked the over in the favor in this spot because it was based upon an undefeated team off a bye. If the line was four, I would have liked it. Yeah, exactly right. So, you know, great point. To use an analogy on this Philly-Houston game, though, I think the wise guys will want 14. Remember in Wall Street when when, when they've got the the, the guy, the, the corporate Raiders taking over Blue Star Airlines? Mm-hmm. He says, 16 is where we're going to buy it. And it's like 21, then it's 19, then it's 18. Gecko's losing his mind. 17. And they show on the exchange. And then finally someone puts up the big offer of 16. Uh-huh. And like 18 traders goes, oh! I, I thought I thought you were going to do trading places. I, 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 I got to go back and watch that. <laughs> Same thing? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, Sold! <laughs> okay, so let's think about this. You know, it brings up another point. And maybe we start it next week. I think we do a third. If we can be quick on these, I think we do like a 15-minute, maybe we do it during the recap at the end next week, is we look at the look. We set our look-aheads for next week. Next week. they come out Tuesday. They come out Tuesday. And, you know, maybe we'll try to get caught up. Might be two weeks. Might not be Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So We'll make that happen. But but, Because I I do think looking at this, there's some stuff that seems like, like you said last week, it's like, man, why aren't we betting more of these? Exactly. And, and, I mean, what? We can look at come up on Tuesday now. And and you can get, what, three dimes at one place, right? Yes. That's a nice chunk. All right, so what game? Mackenzie, where were we at? We, We went way off track here. What were we talking about? We're doing about? 49ers Rams. Oh, oh, he was just waiting to hear all the love. And we talked about the close. Okay, what else on the game? This is an interesting game where I'd argue the second half was more significant than the first half. Well, yeah, because the Rams were probably – I mean, you would make the case they outplayed them in the first half. They did. And then the second half, not only did the 49ers dominate, but the Rams almost had this – the body language – was like complete defeat. Once things started going against them, yeah. In the fourth quarter, they they couldn't get out of dodge fast. They just wanted to run the ball and leave. They're they're down like like ten, and then they're down seventeen, and they look to have no sense of urgency. Like this, we're just beaten. This team's better than us. We're done, so that for a Super Bowl champion to be reacting that way, I thought was very telling. Last four drives of the game for each team, the 49ers last four drives, twenty one points. Mm-hmm. Last four drives for the Rams. 11 yards. 
11 points? 11 yards. Yards. In four drives. Yeah, I, I, complete, and, and you're, you're playing against pre-vets down 17. So, I mean, it was certainly a situation that the performance night, it was, I mean, these teams, if you take out drives that resulted in time expiring with the team having the ball, which are usually eliminated from any drive statistics, because usually it's a kneel down, whatever. And actually, the Rams were kneeling down with the ball down, which yes. you rarely see. Uh, I guess after Cooper Cup gets hurt, is San Fran only had eight drives in the game, and the Rams only had seven. Cooper Cup probable for this week. Fifth, think about this: fifteen drives between them, not counting the end of the halves. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen again. I mean, that is as as low as you get. Yes. Usually you have 10, 11, 12 drives. Somehow this game still went over. C-Mac, like, scoring every time he touched the ball probably helped. Well, we talked about the series uh, success rate, which is effectively a set of downs, is do you get a first or score a touchdown, mm-hmm. right, is 84.5%, 84.6% San Fran was. So even – Meaning successful, that 84.6% of the time they started a series of downs, right? First and 10, they either got a first or scored a touchdown. That's amazing. Yes. Um, even with eight drives, that which is few, that accounts or projects out to 33 points. That if you go 84.6 in eight drives, you're going to score on average 33 points. So think about the eight drives, 33 points. You add uh, two more drives to it. I mean, let's think about this. Eight, uh, it's going to be four. 25% more? Yeah, 25% more. So you're looking at, uh, what, eight, nine more points? Yes. So, I mean, you're looking at 40-some points here for San Fran. If they would have just had a normal number of drives, it was a great performance. It was. On offense. Now, let's talk about McCaffrey. What, what was your takeaways? You know, you got a player that's just joined the team. Mm-hmm. He's been there a week and a half. So limited with the playbook, in theory. In theory, halfback option pass or wide receiver option pass touchdown. Um, just it, it's like he's been in camp all the, the entire time. And, and and by all accounts, he was like, I'm getting on a plane. It's a long plane ride. Send me the playbook. I want to play this week, and I want to, I want to just start combing over it. This is like this guy is tired of playing on a losing team, and he's all in. He is all in to succeed. So, Mackenzie, you got a thought on um, – you are resident 49er homer is you got a thought on why so few drives because of third down success yeah well both teams want to run that is the shanahan system but to stay on the field with third downs mean they can make the drives much longer so combined 60 percent both teams well above 50 percent that's why they didn't have to punt there were so many there were so few drives have you ever thought of changing your name to shanahan your last name it's funny my brother's middle name is shanahan i'm kind of jealous of him uh huh. But you didn't answer my question. No, I never thought about that. But is it giving you an idea now? Yeah, everyone would like associate me with this really cool guy who's in the football league. So yeah, it's a good idea. So a lot of late down success there. And um, all right, anything else in this game? Nope. I got one thought. I think that they talked. I mean, let's think about Debo. He's a receiver that can be a running back. Yes. McCaffrey's a running back that can be a receiver. Yep. Now, when one of them's out, which, again, McCaffrey gets hurt a lot, that's why I thought Jimmy G would be perfect to be with Lance. I mean, maybe they should play. See, I don't understand why they were trying to shove him out the door. Like having a spare tire that's like a a real tire. Especially when your tire goes flat every three games. Yes. And it, it does strike me that when one of them's out, the other one can replace him. 
But when they're both healthy, it's going to open up even more. Oh, for because sure. Because ima- I don't know much about offense at that level, but imagine you got the receiver going in motion, you got the uh, running back going in motion, and then all of a sudden the running back is out with a linebacker trying to cover him out there. They, and- they, they say with the Chiefs, like the defense has no idea where the ball's going, you know, and that's certainly going to be the case. San Francisco's great with misdirection also, anyways. And I, I think the theory is because it was a very expensive price. From a cat, it was not cheap, and and some of it they say was Rams based. The Rams wanted them, and it was a competition. But I think that regardless of what they paid, it helps them this year because the payment comes in the future, right? Yes. So 49ers are helped this year, which is interesting because against Kansas City, it was about as demoralizing of a loss. It looked like they shouldn't be on the same field with the exactly. second. So who knows? Who knows? Right now, NFC Philly number one, Philly one, ooh. Dallas 2, San Fran 3. It's close. I think that's right. I think it's either Dallas or San Fran 2 and 3. Is yes, they're saying. real close. Within a half. All right, next game. You can pick it, Fez, and then we'll go rotation order. Uh, let's talk Packers-Bills, just because I think it was a little bit of a phony final in that, yeah, the Packers covered, but the Bills dominated. This was just a case of the Bills got up 17. Well, remember now, though, Josh Allen had two interceptions, and it was – Legit interception. I mean, I think you could make the case the Bills played a C-plus game. Yeah. So did they dominate? Yes, they crushed them in the first half. Just crushed them. I mean, let's look at the actual numbers. Now, this might upset you. Hmm. We've got our four-number metrics say Buffalo should have won by one point. Really? All right, let's break it down. Our stats say it should have been 27-27. The stats were even. That doesn't surprise me because Green Bay dominated the stats in the fourth quarter. Okay. Kevin Cole says Bills by four. The pregame model says zero. You add it up. Now, we'll get football outsiders tomorrow. You add it up, that comes to Bills just by one. Can we look at, like, the win probability, the win share, and the throughout the game? Because it, it sure seemed like that basically where I was getting at is I want to throw the second half in the garbage can. It was like the game was decided. Okay. So, I just had a drink of Mountain Dew right there. I've been it, drinking a lot of that Mountain Dew. You know what I do? Diet Mountain Dew for you, though, It's right? all Diet Mountain Dew. I go into my, my 7-Eleven. Is this legal? I want to ask you this. Any I'm pretty sure advice? it's legal. Is it ethical is maybe the question. Uh, it's a little bit of both. <laughs> so what I do is I fill up half of the, the extra large container mm-hmm. with the Mountain Diet Mountain Dew. Then I put in like that 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 that, that like icy frizzle. I think it's called frizzle. It's like got sugar in it. Okay. Like one big squirt. Yeah. And it's like blue. And then I, and I fill the rest up with the Diet Mountain Dew. So there's just enough like sweetener. I, I in think there. I saw a 16 year old do that. So recently. it's like a suicide. I think is what they call it. <laughs> they had like six different colas. But it's not. I think. The but fris- here's the question: Is the frizzle more expensive? Slightly. By how much? Peanuts. Then I don't think it matters. Okay. And it makes it, it turns it like this aquamarine color that's just so attractive. Is this the 7 Eleven where the guy's a big fan of yours? No, I don't. That was back by the old studio by Lotus. <laughs> so I don't go to that one. I wonder if he, if he misses me. Maybe I should swing by. Yes. No. I'm sure he's waiting. No, no, he would love it, I'm sure. Now, here's the thing. So we got Green Bay losing 12 points because of bad luck. Now, let's break it down. Well, turnovers, they lost 11 points. 11 points in turnovers, which was they lost five themselves extra than they should have. And Buffalo should have had six more points worth of turnovers but didn't. Hmm. So you add them up, it comes to 11. And then really everything else broke even. You know, this is this is fascinating because this is – normally I use stats and the like, and this was eye test where I was like, 
And I wonder well, what stats do you use for turnovers? The only way to yeah. do it is you got to have an idea of what it should have been, right, which that's is true. right. Yes, but I'm watching the games and I'm watching what you know what's critical. But here, you know what? Maybe you know I'm up. I'm up in Lon- the London games going on. So I get up during the London game and I'm going all day long. And I wonder if maybe like you by got Sunday, a little punchy? I'm like, no, I'm just like kind of a vegetable by Sunday yeah, night. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of like I'm kind of donezo. And I like and like I checked. I might may well have just checked out this game and said, oh. Bills killed them, and then Packers came back, and I kind of maybe I was too. Um, what's the word? Being like not not digging enough into it. Just yeah, too, too superficial. Too, or too superficial is like maybe saying goodnight to Johnny, you know, and the like, and like yeah, Green Bay got got a backdoor touchdown, but yeah. I I think in general, you have to have one comprehensive view. It's either statistical or you watch every play of every game, which is hard, right? Mm-hmm. Mackenzie, can you break down for us um, what the turnover situation was that led to, meaning how many did we think there should have been? Can you break that down? And if you need a minute or two, we can continue and then talk about it. Yeah, sure. I'll have that in a minute. Yeah, because this would be a good one. You know, kind of like PFF does explain the grade sometimes. We'll kind of explain our numbers behind the scenes here. Um, okay, so Aaron Rodgers... It seemed like the big takeaway was that, oh, look, Green Bay could run the ball very effectively. Maybe they should be running the ball more. And they, yeah, they ran the game all night long. So do you feel like that was a, a sea change and we can expect that to continue? I don't know because Buffalo you normally stops the run, but it seemed like they were up three scores and they said, if you want to run the, the whole second half, you're fine, knock yourself out. And that's what Green Bay did. And they never got back into the game, but they made it look respectable. So. Garbage time is something we've been playing with. I think by next week we'll have some good stuff on it. But here's an example where if you look at success rate, that's a yes, no on every play, that during the entire – or it, we broke it up into when it counts versus when it's garbage time. All right? During garbage time, Buffalo's success rate was 41%, which is way below average. Mm-hmm. During the non-garbage time, it was almost 70%. So I tell you this, the, the, us trying to identify objectively because we have the NFL's projection on chance to win. Mm-hmm. And what we've been doing with the garbage time just in the last week or so is saying, okay, if it's 99% or above, we don't count it at all. Hmm. If it's 98% to 99, we count it 25%. If it's 97%, we count it 50. Mm-hmm. And if it's 96%, we count it uh, 75 and then 195 and below. So we're only clipping off the extreme extremes. And Which makes sense. And you we're got doing a it graduated. Yep. And this change, what was Buffalo's success rate all plays mixed? 56%. All right, so 56%, that's pretty good. But in truth, when you have 69 and 41, that's a different story. And that's what I saw. That they, yeah, But that won. was their success rate um, on offense, right, McKenzie? Yes. All right, so turnover luck factors in this. Uh, Break it down. So the Bills should have had a lot more turnovers than they did. They had three turnover-worthy plays and one fumble. They only had two turnovers, and they were modest turnovers, only lost eight points. Okay, and you're saying that the turnover-worthy play conversion rate is what to uh, turnover-worthy play to turnover? It's about 60%. You should get a pick every time you throw a turnover-worthy play. All right, so you're saying 1.8 should have came just from the, the interceptions, and there was, o- there was only two, so now the fumble, which is half of a turnover typically, right? Because it's going to be recovered about half the time. Right. All right. And, thus, and then what you're saying is the EPA on those plays 
was what it was, and it was less than it typically would be. Yeah, about four points of turnover. Usually it's about five points of turnover. So you add it up, they got lucky. Now, the turnovers 2-1, and I was like, oh, the Bills you know, were minus one in turnovers, but I, I ex- completely accept what you're saying, that I, I didn't quantify the value of these potential turnovers. Which I think is, is a whole area that's un, really unmined by most people is if it's third and 10 and you throw a 40-yard pass and it gets intercepted, how bad is it? Yeah. But Trevor Lawrence, the savior on the one, how valuable is that one? Mm-hmm. So Bills are the best team. I, I did a little – I looked at their um, net margin. So they're, I think I'm going by memory here. I did it earlier today. It was like 15 points mm-hmm. they're winning by now per game on average. And there's been in 33 years, there's been about 17, 16, 17 teams like that. So this is a once in every two year quality team. Does that feel right to you? Yes. I've got them rated 10 points better than the average team. And frankly, usually teams only get rated that high at the very end of years, not mid year. So you're saying you got the Bills better than a once every two year team? I do. Now, what do you think? Do you th- what's the discount? I mean, what is it about the Bills that makes them better than what their net margin is? Because it feels like they've really stretched some leads. I guess maybe all the injuries well, on net defense. margin's better than how I have them rated, obviously, because it's unrealistic that any team's 15 points better than an average team. Yeah, well, we don't know if they play. I mean, that matters what kind of schedule they've played, too, right? Yeah, but 15 would still be, even even, even if you played the dregs of the league. But what we're saying is there's like 16 or 17 teams. As well. So you, it was your point you made yesterday, or last week was performance is always going to have more extremes than actual, actual ratings. Yeah, yes. yeah. Which is kind of what Football Outsider says, except you're the one always saying, everyone win is between seven and nine. You know how you Yeah, they project they project every team to win six to ten games. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of correct, right? Uh directionally they should project every team to win between five and twelve. They just take it to the too too much in my opinion to too much of an extreme. They're directionally right. So what is it about the Bills that makes them better than their number? Because if for 16 teams in 33 years that have had this number, that means it's a once in every two years. They have team. the best offense and they have arguably the, a top three defense. Then why isn't it showing in the net margin? Because if you're thinking it's you're thinking it's once every five years you have a team this good. Yes. And I'm, it is showing in the net margin. They're winning by five. By, but 15 is is something that happens once every two years. I'm saying in 33 mm, years, mm. there's been about 16 teams have had this net margin after eight games or seven, whatever it was for the Bills. Mm-hmm. Thus, it's a once in every two year oh, event. I, I think a lot of those other teams, you know, were turnover driven and they and, and and it was skewed. The Bills, it's legitimate. They should be winning by this margin. Mm-hmm. Mackenzie, can we add up the Bills' luck in all their games? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do that for me, and we'll keep moving. Because in theory, we can see. Sure. All right. Next game, Fez. You uh, pick it. Let's go Bears Cowboys mm-hmm. and. Just we've been. I'm not reinventing the wheel here. You know what, Zeke Elliott, take your time getting back because this Pollard is arguably you know an upgrade at running back, and it really showed against the Bears. Um, bottom line is, you see the Cowboys putting up numbers. Look at look at these numbers: nine point three yards per play, um, putting a forty nine burger up on Chicago. I know there were some turnovers. Um, well, th- let's get something straight with Pollard. I think you're right. Great performance. I think we'd want Zeke. We just want Pollard to get more carries. Exactly. I want Zeke to be the best backup running back in the league and Pollard to be starting and to get two-thirds of the carries, not 
him getting 45 But do we know if Pollard can do it with that workload? We, we don't. That's the unknown. We don't know if he's going to hold up, but right now, my goodness, he's a home run hitter. And that that Dallas offense is so dynamic with him being able to you know go for the big dynamic plays. Okay, so we got Dallas should have won the game by nine. They won it by twenty. But again, that's nine's a lot. I mean, all things considered, though we we had the Saints supposed to win by sixteen. Wow. Um, uh, Chicago. Now Justin Fields had a lot of big time throws last year. That was the saving grace. This year started off bad. They weren't letting him throw much. Against the Patriots off a mini-bye, when they played Thursday before that, they came out with a different run-based offense. It was very successful. I would make the case Chicago scoring in this game, 29 points, was pretty successful. Yeah, offense is, is looking better. Fields is moving up by quarterback rating. He was last, mm-hmm. or he was mm-hmm. close to, he's close to last. He's 27th, so he's with Andy Dalton. And well, You might have to reevaluate Andy Dalton. He's yeah, had some monster uh, that's games. That's a good point. Well, he threw two pick sixes. That's not going to Well, but much. again, that was two games ago. And again, neither of those, I'm going to stand by that, neither of those were his fault. He did have an interception at another point yeah. in that game. Yes. I mean, Dal- Dal- obviously, uh, Jameis is healthy, and yeah. New Orleans coaching staff feels Dalton gives them their best chance to win. You're right. So Dalton. Um, Geno Smith. He's not quite Geno Smith. Where do you got Geno now? Uh, Geno is average, middle hmm. of the road. That's 19th. It's amazing. Goes so, up every week, yes. Uh, I think when what? we made our bet, I made him like 24th. The Bills have 48 combined luck points edge this season. So they are winning by 15 per game. They should only be winning by 8.5 per game. Well, I'll stand corrected. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, that that's more in line with what the best team in the NFL typically would be, 8.5 better. So now, maybe, maybe I got them a little over it. Now, what I would say is... That the thing that could be the mitigating factor here is all the injuries on defense. The fact their D backs have been banged up the whole year and they're still playing this well, maybe. Mm, that's right? probably what I'm missing. Yes. Like I mean, what I'm saying is, in a way, injured. that means that they're better. They are better if than they get healthy. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So, um, do you, did you upgrade Chicago lost <clears throat> by 20 points? Did you upgrade them? No. Why not? Because they lost by 20 points. But the defense you got say, shredded. You don't feel better about the Bears now. I feel better about I the Bears. I feel better about their offense. Yeah, I, I, I only downgrade They lost by 20. I only downgrade them by half a point. So I, I, I upgrade their offense and I downgrade their defense. How much did you upgrade Dallas? One. Hmm. It seems like you can drop a lot more than you can go up in your rankings. You know, normally I'm a, I'm, I'm a pessimist because what happened is I finally did have to retool my power ratings. Everyone was the average was becoming well below average, and so I, I I skewed everyone up by three quarters of a point to get it closer to zero. That's what I often say: is the average person is well below oh, average. Oh, they have to be. <laughs> I mean, in terms in terms of intelligence, I mean, come on. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, it's a betting market. It's hard to complain. Um, Next game. All right, let's go rotation order. So Tampa, Baltimore, that's been talked out. And you got one real takeaway. We got Baltimore should have won by three. I have the I, I upgrade the Ravens by half. I lowered the Bucks by one. I still think the Bucks. I, I, I it's possible the Bucks might not be any good this year. I mean, they might be a below average team. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to upgrade the Ravens because I don't think that the Bucks are any good necessarily. So is there a um? Throw up the division odds for the South NFC. I mean, do we look at Atlanta? Do they're we look at the lose. Saints? They're all going to lose. 
Well, no, someone's going to win yeah. the division. That's the problem. Any, you know, Carolina's well, not going to win. Why is that a problem? That's a good thing. Yeah. If you're saying it's it's random, let's take. Well, the, I like uh, it much better if there was like one team. Like I don't know whether. To, well, then I, we bet both. Well, right now the Falcons are plus two ten. All right, they got a couple. Tampa Bay schedule. is minus one thirty five, and the Saints are plus five fifty. Ooh, Saints are looking attractive. To me. So if, let's think about this a second. If we bet. Fifty, or let's say fifty dollars on the Saints, hundred dollars on the Falcons. We're betting, let's say, unit and a half, and we're going to win two units either way. So we're getting, we're getting two to one. Let's think about this. How would that blend? If I bet a unit on each and Atlanta wins, mm-hmm. I, well, but I, I, you I bet two, a unit on each. Because, okay, but go if ahead. I if I if I did, I only win one point one units mm-hmm. if Atlanta wins. Okay. So I can I, so I lose two of Tampa. I mean, I'm saying, what's the effective odds to bet so against I lose, Tampa Bay? I lose two if Tampa wins. I win one if Atlanta wins. Mm-hmm. And if the Saints win, I, I win four and a half. Okay. All right. So implicitly, you know, I got to tell you, the Saints look like they, they're, they're the team. I don't want to bet Atlanta. It's too, it's too low. I want to bet the Saints. Now, the Saints did lose their home game to Tampa, so they're, they're going to they're be screwed on tie breaks. So well, I think but they, we don't know they're going to lose the game, the game in Tampa. We don't know that. Yeah. I, I just what ha- I mean, is it all Andy Dalton? Because if it's Andy, if Andy Dalton plays this well, and d- Kamara also, I mean, yeah, like, like, fundamentally, well, he's thrown to Kamara. So fundamentally, the, the, Real quick, the Saints offense. Mackenzie, throw up EPA last two games. Let's see where Dalton is. Go ahead. So fundamentally, th- we were worried about. New Orleans not having a quarterback or a running back, and both have been answered. You know, from from just. But you recently. got Andy Dalton like twenty nine. Yeah. <laughs> so I, but I know a lot of you know things. Twenty six, but 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 that's too that's too low. I should bring him up. I mean, it feels like he's having especially a, what you said. It's the two pick sixes that I said. You know, can't you're right. They weren't his fault. So I, I read that. Um, okay, let's see. We'll, we'll get back to Andy Dalton, but I do. Th- boy, it feels like the Saints are getting disrespected there. Um, so you wouldn't be surprised at all if the Saints won the division. You'd be shocked if Atlanta won the division, right? You'd be like, they were supposed to win four and a half games. The Saints were supposed to win nine preseason expectation. What I don't understand is how the defense shut down the Raiders like that. So it's let's go to that game. The flu. It's possible that they, you know, they talked about the Raiders having the flu. Well, you downgraded them too. Well, they lost zero to twenty-four, and they got, they got <laughs> annihilated. So the stats say they should get downgraded three. So I downgraded them too. All right. So this is the last two weeks. Yes. And Dalton is sixth? Yes, above Josh Allen somehow. Yeah, so above Josh Allen. So the top, now here's the top, the last two weeks. Mahomes, Burrow, that tells you how good he was the last game before this one. Prescott, Tua, Hurts, Dalton, then Josh Allen, Garoppolo. Let me ask you this. I bet my balls off on the Saints over seven and a half wins. Okay. It was like one of my biggest preseason bets, Uh and I didn't play anything back. And obviously they're sucking, and they're three and five. Mm Mm-hmm. Now they're probably going to have to go nine and eight to win this division. That'll do it. They could win eight and nine, but I think it's going to be nine and eight. All right. So I've already got this implicit big position. At one point, at some point, I'm going to be like, I've got way, way, way too much on the Saints to, to like keep investing in the Saints. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because if my base bet is a unit. I've already bet three units of them over seven and a half. I mean, the question is, if you put another, you, I hear you, and that's one of the complicated things. You know better than me about Kelly criterion or criteria is what happens when there's interrelated bats. Right? Yes. So, for instance, example, you're playing blackjack. 
you thought you were betting $1,000, you accidentally put a $10,000 chip out there. The dealer deals you a 10 against a 9. Double down is correct. You're like, I already got 10,000 on this. I, this I can't is a common problem. I can't afford have. to. I, I, I can't double down this hand, even though it's the right play, because it's the wrong play from a Kelly criterion to make such another, another $10,000 wager. Who said that Fez wasn't accessible to the masses? <laughs> yeah, <you> <laughs> I'm thinking I accidentally give a 20 instead of a five to like the valet, but then I'm thinking, wait, I don't give a five instead of a. I, I, <laughs> that, you know, that's why if you ever carry $50 bills, I on never you, do because you fives. never, you They're never, unlucky. you never can tip fives. Wise guys because never, have, wise guys never carry because, 50s. because those fifties become valet tips. So thank you very First much, all, sir. I refuse to take fifties. Let's make sure you're enveloped yeah. and have. All right, uh, don't worry, Here, I, I do too. Here's why: is they won't break them. They have all the limitations of a hundred. Except they're only half as they big. They still got to run the magic marker over it. It's a pain in the butt. You have no yeah. bill. No, you've never seen no bill higher than a, 50, a 60 taken. It's always a 20. No bill higher than a 20 is taken here. The strippers will take them, though. They're fine with it. You know, if you, if you do have, if you do have a, <laughs> I hear. a $100 counterfeit bill, that is an excellent way to – I don't want to like talk about illegal activities, but there's a, a great way to wash it into the general currency. No, 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 no. No, so, no, 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 no. We don't want to talk about that. <laughs> all right. Because it, it really – now, one – all joking aside, over the years, I've known some people on the fringes, let's say. Yes. And here's what I will say. More people go down on the fringes, serious down, like 15 years for anything that involves counterfeiting, they are so on that. Like I would say, don't. I would say, if anyone's thinking of, of saying, "Oh, what's the risk reward of this crime or this?" Look into. I would say the the way they punish anyone when the treasury's involved, it is no fucking around. So, you, so what you're saying is, what I'm I'm betting forty four hundred to win four thousand Sunday ten minutes before kickoff to stop putting the counterfeit bills that I've gotten from people into my pile to just wash it back into the general currency. Well, I tell you this, I certainly wouldn't do it after saying that you know you're doing it because <laughs> the theory is there could be some like, well, I didn't know. No, this is Vito, my friend Vito. Yeah, this, uh, but yeah. Uh, but all joking aside, and I'm no. not. Listen, you. Anyone that listens to this pod knows I'm not one a, a nervous Nancy saying, "Well, don't, mm -hmm. don't do this, don't do, don't do, do it." That. I'm telling you. And then what they do to these people is they put them back out for a couple years and have them ratting on. Every, I mean, it is like, mm -hmm. and I'm talking about little credit card things. Little everyone wants a count. Every anyone that thinks they're a fucking criminal wants a counterfeit shit. It's like, do you realize that they got like computer chips in these fucking things now? You ever read the study about the guy who counterfeited the casino chips? How long ago was this? This was like 15 years ago. Exactly. It, it doesn't even matter. It just Painted the chips. It doesn't even matter. He took someone's one dollar chip and just like and just like sandblasted and put and, and turned it into a five hundred. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and it worked for years. All right, so. Boy, I sounded like a good righteous person there, you didn't did. I, Mackenzie? I like it. Noble. Yeah, I think so. I don't want my audience go. I don't want my audience. To, it's like, why is your audience down? Well, they're all going to jail for counterfeiting because <laughs> of feds. No, no, I'm not going to let that happen. All right, next game. What do we got? Let me talk Steelers Eagles because one theme I saw was you know these teams that got blasted. Even the Bears, as bad as they got beat, they covered the fourth quarter, catching a couple points. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not the Steelers. The Eagles did not let up. I guess this goes back to your trend. You know, this team, um, you, you were eager to invest in an undefeated team off of the bye, and the Eagles just crunched them for all four Well, there's certain situations, but yeah. Um, Motivated favorite. Here's what I would say. If you look at the success rate, we were talking about, and this is drive success rate, 83.3%. That is very high. 
the projection should have been based on that 36 to 18, the final. What, what I find interesting is if you look at the game in the second half, it was pretty much the entire half Pittsburgh had about a 3% chance. Mm. In fact, with six minutes left in the second quarter, Pittsburgh was at 3% and never got above 3%. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those games. Mackenzie, if you're looking at just the number of offensive plays, how many did Pittsburgh have that met the criteria of being weighted fully? You got that? So you're saying this game was over midway through the second quarter, basically? Yeah. I mean, yeah. at least, well, if you consider, so I'm, I got the numbers here. Is Philadelphia had um, offensive plays, they had a total of 53. 20 of them were in garbage time. Mm. So Pittsburgh had 28 offensive plays in garbage time out of 70. Pittsburgh ran 70 plays. Philly only ran 53. Think about that Philly on offense. scoring quickly. And, and what was funny, though, is Philly kept scoring and Pittsburgh kept scoring. So, I mean, in a way, Steelers are known for fighting back. I mean, Big Ben used to have those monster 500-yard games when they were losing. I don't know. I mean, let's just say this. You were right. Pittsburgh was worse than I thought. You know, we argued this, you know, maybe a month ago. But I'm going to have to then say, well, <laughs> Jacksonville was a lot worse, just like oh, I thought. Yeah, I the mean, Jacksonville division bet that I made after they beat the Chargers is not is, – that, that's not aging But well. their stats still look good. It's just they – you know, what Lombardi thinks is going on with Peterson is – and this is fascinating. Fourth downs now. Fourth and middle, mid to go. So they call it four to six yards. 38% conversion rate this year on fourth down. Should be what, 46? I think it was, uh, I think the year that Peterson won and it was 58. We talked about how the Peterson teams are was, getting ready. And, and he needs to be, he needs to be coaching a team like the Chargers, not a team like the Jaguars with a quarterback that doesn't watch football games. Yeah. Well, so what you're saying is Staley. Is the way he's doing it's the way to do well, it? Yes, he's got the you right. Think theoretically hasn't. <laughs> what, what, what theory are we talking? Well, you want a good offensive team, you know, that's going to convert and be successful. Yeah, that means you maybe convert. You go for it a little bit more. You don't go for it like yeah, every time. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, next game, Dolphins Lions. Oh, uh, real quick, I guess with Pittsburgh here, we're saying Philly. We, we got Philly only winning by eight. So they won by 22. That's interesting. I think they should have won by 16. And pregame, pregame has it at five. Now, how, how is know. that? That is interesting. I don't get that. But Let's take a look. We more, say More first downs for Pittsburgh. Well, the, the stats say Philly should have won by six. But the stats are kind of a, <coughs> excuse me, a dumb, not dumb, but not really nuanced mm-hmm. metric. Um, Mackenzie, break this down for us. So it looks like Philly got 18 points lucky. Well, first off, hold on a second. This is not one of those mistakes were made. Like you did the analysis. So, so don't say it looks like. Say as I open up my analysis. As I open up my book of analysis here. Okay. I see that Philly got lucky by 18 points. All right. So break it down. Four points on turnovers. They were unlucky. Yeah, they were slightly unlucky on turnovers. So they made up for that and more in the other categories. 10 points in the green zone. 13 points on late down. It accounts for the bulk of it. All right, 23 points in total. So here's the question. What is Philly on the season in green zone? What is Philly on the season in late down? 
Because what we may have to admit is, because what we're trying to do, Fez, is we're not trying to let the vagaries of four or five weeks of games tell us what the third down I, should I, be. I see. So the league average for Philly is, is doesn't make any sense because Philly's exceptional at third down. Yes, but, but here's what we do. We don't do the league average. What we do is we say it takes 11 games to really trust that year's numbers. That's a number that's kind of out there that people like that number. Okay, so now our thinking is, well, what are the things we could use to – estimate late downs or red green zone type plays. And we thought, okay, how does the team do across the whole field, mm-hmm. right? Meaning because there's a lot more plays outside the green zone. So that's one element. Another element is how does the league do in general? Right. So a good offensive team, Kansas City should outperform the league by whatever it is, 15%, whatever. We yeah. Don't, yeah. So what we do is we don't want to go back to last year because let's be honest, yeah. last year often doesn't have um, – so entering week 18, Philly is plus 18 in the green zone points, plus 13. Now that's actually much better than I thought. So you're saying Philly was that, was 10 in the green zone. So you're saying they were only plus 8 before this. No, this is entering week 8, oh. not including the Pittsburgh game. Okay. So still, though, we're saying that the entire year they were only up 18 points. And so what? That was, what, seven games? Yeah. So... Two and a half points per game. Here it's 10, and then it's 13, and the other one's even less. That's two points a game, a little less. Huh. That actually encourages me. When a team has consi- – because you don't expect a team to start off so hot and stay hot, mm-hmm. right? So in a weird way, Philly's going to be an outlier, and if our analysis is only off by two points a game – with a team that stayed that hot, that is actually very encouraging, mm-hmm. I think. Don't you think, McKenzie? Definitely. Yeah, that's interesting. So let's think of it. Kansas City's been hot, right? You'd say in general. They do have two losses. But what like... I'm saying is their offense. Oh, their offense is, yeah. Can you, can you look at the same thing? Absolutely. Green zone and late down for Absolutely. Kansas City? How they've done net net on the season? They are number one in late down, plus 33. They're number one in green zone, plus 33. Okay, they, so we're yeah. just, what, but no, 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 we're saying we're underestimating by that many points. Mm. Okay, so you know what we need to do? We need to create priors, I think, but only for extreme cases. Like, this is what I'm thinking of doing in special teams, right? Is there's only a handful of teams, Baltimore, New England, that tends to do well in special teams every year. Right. Is if you've got a coach that's been there for a while and you've got data that says they break the mold by, like, consistently doing something that the league tends to be even with, I think you've got to have that as part of a prior. Sure. Yeah, I think there's something there, McKenzie. That that in, that we before the season starts, we say, all right, how much has come back, you know, and we can also do a reevaluation after a couple games, meaning based on our assumptions, is this team playing similar to what we expected? I like that. We talked about the Patriots getting really lucky, or arguably really lucky, on defense in the green zone. They're plus 26 points. But I bet if we do this year by year, we'll see that Belichick's teams often do better than expected in the green zone. Yeah, and even if we only count like half of what we would if we thought we knew for sure. You know, Fez, I was thinking about this. We were talking about priors, but shouldn't we have an estimate? Like, you have a prior for every team. That's how you have your preseason ranking, right? Sure. Remember Malinsky, rest in peace, used to say, hey, on your power ranking, you need to have an A, B, C, or D. Confidence. Confidence level. I think with our priors, we should do that. 
and we could wait. Yeah. When we're confident on the prior, we can wait it a lot higher. Like Kansas City. We know Kansas City's good. Well, see, this year I would have said. Oh, oh no, because of what the, the offense is the number the big, one wide receiver. Yeah. But if, let's say, entering last year, our assuredness that KC was going to have a good year was much higher than a normal prior. Yes. So why not do that and then hold on to it more or less based on our confidence? Right, like we know Buffalo's good. Even if Buffalo dropped a couple games, we are very confident Buffalo was good this year. But Miami, it could have been a wide range. Yeah, we don't know. Tua might have been horrible. Hill could have been over the hill, no pun intended. I mean, boy, I think when you have a new— Tua could be unable to get it to Hill. Or it could even be when you have a new coach, you can't be more than a C. That's right. That's right. When when you have stability, makes for greater confidence. What do you think about that? I think that that makes a ton of sense. You know, even we we talk about the NFL, but collegially, the collegially, the the variance that we've seen from some teams. Well, the portal was making that. Oh yes, I mean you're seeing some teams that are absolutely, you know, like Connecticut. It was a complete drag, and they're and they're decent this year. You know, there's like the te- some teams have made tremendous. Syracuse was supposed to win three and a half games. They're beating Clemson. You know, I mean, almost beating Clemson. All right, so the Raiders lay an egg. We had them 14 points of unlucky, unlucky, and most of that was green zone. They lost seven, and late downs they lost seven. That was the uh, that was 14, and the other stuff evened out. There was the flu that went through, and Adams was. Missed, I think, two practices, which you don't see that much because of the flu. And it was a no-show in the game, basically, by no stats. His performance, yeah. Yes. So what was your takeaway from the game? Uh, as It's completely one side. I know you're saying, hey, Saints should have only won by— Well, we got Saints 10. winning by 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's accurate. And, and, and losing by 16 in a game you're favored by one is not good. <laughs> All right, but—, but you're saying this? They're staying in Florida. They're taking a st- in theory a stand. But does playing that bad make them wish they weren't in Florida right no, now? No, I think it's the opposite. It's kumbaya. If, they come together. I don't know. At some point, teams give up. I mean, no, teams, they're, they're not giving up. All right. Oh, so I, I see who you like already. All right. Uh, Let's see. Dolphins. Lions. Yeah. So that was one. A lot of interesting action. It fell four. And we actually had Miami winning by one when you add up our different considerations. Yeah, so the end game. I want to talk about one play in particular. So there's three minutes to play. Detroit's trailing by four. They had the lead a lot of the game. But they're trailing by four. There's three minutes left, and they're like on the 30, driving. All right, so they're on the Miami 30. Yes. Really terrible play call, in my opinion, because the, the Belichicks of the world realize fourth and two in this spot. Ooh. Let's matriculate down the field. Let's pick up the first down. Let's use so it's up. fourth and two on the 30. Yes, we got to get 47 that. 47-yard field goal if you want to kick it. Well, we're it. down four. We're down uh-huh. four. So and how, but how much time Three is minutes. Three minutes. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is we want to just we want to kill the whole clock. We want to get a touchdown with under a minute to play. Let's pick up the first down. Let's slowly march down and score so, with so under a minute. So the thinking is this, and I think Kevin Cole talked about this exact play. The thinking is this, is we're going to get the first sometimes and sometimes we're not. But if we do get to first, what we ideally want to do is score very late into the clock, whereas they don't have time to have a comeback. Right. This is a shootout, really high-scoring game. The offenses have the advantage. We're only going to score a certain percentage of the time, but when we do score, we want to have that be for the win. Exactly. And so they do the opposite. They throw a low-percentage pass to the end zone. Could have been completed. It was possible. But even if they completed for a touchdown, even if that one in, I don't know, one in four chance hits – then Miami's down three, and they got full three minutes to come back and beat you. 
And if you don't get it, you're in dire straits. Why not try to pick up the first down and run some clock? It's just a fundamental analytics mistake. So repeat what they did. They threw a 30-yard bomb to the end zone. All right. Because the theory was even if they complete it, now you almost are assuring you're leaving time. Tons of time. Yes. And plus, when it's a binary, you either get the first down or not. And here's the thing. If it's if it's a 3-3 game, maybe – well, you may probably kick the field goal. If it's a 7-3 game, maybe the bomb makes sense because you're not so scared of them coming back and you think this is my one chance to maybe get a touchdown. Mm-hmm. But here – you're moving up Your and down the field. defense can't stop them at all. And if you get the first with short yardage, you should feel confident you're going to get push it e- in. Exactly. Now, if it's early in the third quarter, yeah. absolutely you can run that play, but not there. You, you right. want to try to break the possessions 1-0 and have your drive decide the game. So we look at this pretty much as a toss-up. Do you, is that how you saw the game? You think Miami batters got lucky? Uh, a complete toss-up. Mm-hmm. Miami won the stats by – Miami should have won by one to six points. Well, we, the stats say five from our major, mm. but that's not the only thing. I mean, there's a lot of other factors. So I think, you know, I think just looking at the yardage, first downs, yards per play is a starting point, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, but I thought the final score was a good snapshot of, of the game. Now, I would say it's interesting. Like, there was only uh, three plays on Miami on offense that they um, – there was only three plays that would be garbage time. So, I mean, this was an example of a close game. Yes. And I, I'm guessing there was kneel outs or whatever at the end. Okay, next game. Uh, we haven't done Commanders-Colts. Okay, now we had a nice under. Now, I was looking at that under in the first half. Why were you? What was What was your cause of looking at that? Because so, we, we connected Saturday so, night. So, so, yeah, so I think we got it in two different ways. So, RJ, I think you got it fundamentally that the matchups were that it was going to be a slow first half to play under. And the Colts have done poorly in scripted plays. Right. And I was looking at the overall total, which was at 40, and I was seeing sharp money on the under. So I was seeing 39s popping up. And in general— It was lagging. The, it, yeah, the first half was lagging. So there were still some 20s out there. And all things being equal, pulling back the curtain a little bit with wise guys, when the first half total is 54—I'm sorry, when the game total is 54— Mm-hmm. Half of a 27 is perfectly appropriate for the first half. Mm-hmm. The lower, So the, a big total. Okay. Big total, divide by two. But a low total, you shouldn't divide by two. You should divide by two and then lop off another half point. Now, why is that? I'm not really sure why. I think I think it's kind of like like the Grand Salami type of thing, that if, if you— if, I have an idea. Go ahead. But, no, you, no, I'm sorry. You were going to say something really sharp. The, 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 the idea with the Grand Salami is like, like if, if the, the smaller the sample, if a total in a game was 28, for instance, and let's assume the, the, the format was such, such that all the quarters were equally scoring, mm-hmm. and you asked me the over-under in each quarter, and I made them all seven, mm-hmm. I would like every quarter under seven because one quarter could have like 20 of the 28 mm-hmm. points all in, in that quarter, and they, even though they only summed to 20. So with the Grand Salami, they're adding up all the scoring in the league, and the theory is it's easier to go over by a great margin than it is to go under by a great margin. Yes. Just by math, if the total is 40, you can only be 37 points under, or I guess 38 points under if it's a safety, right? Yeah. And you can go over by more than that. Yes. Just so, that so, itself. So, so, so what happens is that when you, if, if a total is 40 and the first half is 20, mm-hmm. you get a lot of times where you – just barely go under where you see like a 14 okay. or a 17 or a 19 point first half. I, I got something new for you to consider. Okay. We know that typically if the total is low, that means the offenses aren't great and the defenses are relatively oh, I like better. Where you're going here. Yes. I think that what we know is at the end of the games, there's teams that will go for it on fourth because they're losing. And 
you, we've seen back in the 90s, there'd be a lot of games that were low scoring, low scoring. Then at the end, it opened up because one team went ahead 14 to 10, and the other team had three minutes and they scored. Super Bowl 101. You see this in the Super Bowl all the time when the teams are like, they get less conservative in the second half and all hell breaks loose on games that are 3 nothing midway through the second quarter. And I think that with higher scoring, the difference of that effect is modest enough that it doesn't affect it as much. Plus, because there is that countervening, you get teams trying to run out the clock. So maybe that evens out if the total reaches a certain point because it means the offenses are effectively that good. And the offenses are being aggressive in the first half whereas in low total games the, the offenses are being The difference between like the normal part of the up. game and the end part of the game. So it does feel like when you're that deficient that the advantages of the late game towards scoring mean more. Exactly. But I just invented that. Yes. <laughs> Yes, although I've heard I've heard it before. I think you've, you may have heard it. I, no, I don't think you've invented it, but but it's not well. well I invented it if I didn't know. I mean, it's like when I invented the transistor radio. Yeah. I didn't know someone else had done it. Well, or spring break. Well, that's why you <laughs> and that's why you'll see like in college in the NFL, you'll see like a first half total of twenty one, and the first quarter total will be seven and a half. Seven and a half. Because it's so close to the vest. But then, but then the second, but the second quarter is usually high enough to get it to where. I mean, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I just hit me. It's kind of weird. You were. I said you gave your reason. I gave mine. Mine was different than but yours. You're saying shock, shock, shocker. We we arrived on on, on the same play and the, yeah. And it was an exa- it really was an example of seven three for a while in the first half. Where if we had under nineteen and a half, we might have been sweating for a little while. Under twenty, you felt like the whole way. I'm either gonna win. Or if everything goes wrong, I'll push. You know what's funny? You said the same thing about the Philly first half. And it's like, I guess we're running pretty good with these derivatives. If the thought is, if we had a worse number, there'd be a chance we could lose. Yes. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> now, what's interesting with the difference between the two, like I gave my clients the Philly minus six and a half first half, but I did not give them the under 20. And the reason being is that there just wasn't enough bites to the apple because by the time we got done betting the under 20, the 20s were gone. Well, I mean, listen, that's one thing we've talked about before, and it's worth talking about quickly here, is the commitment you made to me a long time ago was anything that the mark that that the general populace is able to bet at a g- fair number at a good number i'm giving it out i'm not going to hold anything back cuz there's no reason to hold it back you get your bite they get their bite everyone's happy but if it's something where there's only 3 or 4 people in the world that are going to be able to bet it before the number gets bad it, it it would be a disservice to give it out because what would end up happening is people, most if not all, wouldn't get the right number and they'd either be frustrated they couldn't bet it or they'd bet it at a bad number. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't serve anyone. Um, what we try to do is, is, is try to think these games through in a way that can help people come up with their own derivatives, especially uh, – as things change over the weekend. I mean, things change, injuries, line moves, we whatever. We liked the Bengals early in the week. By the by, the end of the week, we were, we, we, we were on Cleveland, you know? I mean, it did Chase being out changed everything. Well, for sure, that was an example. And the market uh, we barely, were only on Cleveland because of the contest in the three and a half. Yeah, well, the, and the market didn't – I mean, Chase – The market so went to hard, three. The market, yeah, moved half a point. Well, on the 20 cents worth of move. Yeah. But really, it didn't go it – went, it went back to three and a half today. Yeah, I see that. Well, the public was just... The public was all over the Bengals. Closing line value, baby. Yes. Antonio Meucci invented the telephone, and he got robbed. Everybody knows that. <laughs> all right, what else we got? Anything? Yeah, one more game. Um, the commies against the Colts. The, um, you know, Washington gets the win. Oof. I think the Colts should have won the game. 
But well, the stats were pretty darn equal. I, 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 I did not know whether – I want to lower the Colts, but I don't know if I want to up Washington. I think I do want to – just because, boy, they... Well, Washington's... I mean, Heine, they're playing... The energy with Heineke is just bad. And I love on the key play when he threw the ball down the field to McLaren. The, the, the key here is that this is a very poor decision most of the time. Throw up, throw up a, a 50-50 ball, but this was a really savvy quarterback that says there's 30 seconds left. We're running out of time. Tick, tick. Let me throw it to my best player and give give him the chance to make the play to save to save the game. If you look at this drive success rate, it says Washington should have won twenty to thirteen. Uh, if you look at our numbers uh, combined with Kevin Cole, combined with the stats, it comes out to Washington winning by two. But that doesn't change that Washington had the ball with one drive left, and they were big underdogs, big. So it was one of those things that it would have been a faulty final if the Colts won. Washington mm. comes back late. Uh, what you got to watch here is Heineke, his A dot, which is about how far you're throwing the ball, right, has been like bottom 10% for these two starts. Um, he's only thrown the ball 5.6 yards, air yards per pass. That is as low as you can get. I mean, is that going to keep? Is that going to score a bunch? No, but if you don't have turnovers and your defense plays well, maybe you can squeak out some games. So think about this: a quarterback, he's dinking and dunking. Mm-hmm. He's being ultra conservative, knows his limitations, but yet is savvy enough mm-hmm. to chuck one up for a fifty-fifty ball because he knows it's the only way we've got time to score. That is a savvy core. That's my yeah, kind of quarterback. It's a good point. It's a, you. You were kind of convincing there. I think that's fair to say. I, now here's the question with the Colts. Ellinger, is that how you say it? Yes. Is is this an example? Might be Ellinger. I've heard both. With the weak arm quarterback, which he is for the NFL, is sometimes they can do better that first game. They get a feel of what zones he can throw to, what ones he can't, what throws he can make, which ones he can't, and it gets tougher and tougher. It feels like his physical limitations are going to cause a decay in performance in the next weeks. I can see that. And another concern, he's a mobile quarterback. Ran six times. I think he got like twelve yards. So basically, the defense is like, you know what? You're not gonna beat me that way. We can we can shut that down. And the fact that he tried to do that and he was ineffective, not a good sign. Speaking of that, do you want to say anything about my Aaron Rodgers over rushing yards? I totally forgot about it. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> over like it was nothing. Well, he got like twenty. I don't. What, what was it, McKenzie? Like fourteen? I know he had 11 yards scramble longest of the season. Wow, well, when it's what was it four and a half? It was one. It was one. One and a half was the over under. Yep. It wasn't like you had to worry about a, a big kneel down that with with a big lead at the exactly. end. Exactly. I, I, what were you thinking, McKenzie? I was thinking, how did he know? He hasn't run all season. You know, I hear, I hear, you know. Oh, I, I did that's not know going to diminish this somehow. Go ahead. I, no, no, no. I did. I didn't know about this, but it makes sense that to be ultra careful when you've got like a, like a big favorite quarterback because you got to figure he could uh-huh. lose seven yards yeah. on the last two plays of the game because well, of the yeah. kneel downs. Yeah. Well, yeah, because of the. I mean, the Mahomes in the Super right. Bowl was I perfect. Should have taught me the lesson. Yes. But again, we didn't expect. You could have put a little bet on the money line on Green Bay if you wanted. Yeah. I didn't want to. All right, um, Ellinger, oh, he was drafted 218th, and he faces Belichick Uh-oh. next. Hmm. 
Shocker. The but power remember, ratings. they have trouble against running. I don't think he's quite a running quarterback, though. Shocking. They, the, the power ratings like Indy, and the wise guys grabbed the plus six. Or I shouldn't even say that. The, the money. I'm not even going to say sharp money. The money came on Indy plus six today, down to five and a half. All right, so we're done. We did a lot, I think, quite frankly, of little side conversations that were quite savvy, Fez. Good stuff. Um, now, remember, we've got the market report. It's already out if you're listening to this. And you must be unless you are somehow bugging the offices. Now, don't forget, Straight out of Vegas AM is booming. People love it. Fez is a big part of that show. I'm trying to get booked. It's tough, but it's a daily show. Hard hitting. Not hard hitting, no. It is fast paced. It has personality. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It, it does justice to the name Straight out of Vegas AM. Also, our pick podcast, The Dream Preview, comes out Thursday morning early, early, early. Stay tuned. And college football, AJ, unfortunately, is not standing. He had a loser, but it was a hell of a run. You can hear all about it. That comes out Wednesday morning. A lot of conversation, a lot of fun, a lot of winning. Talk to you soon. 